Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship to all who would stand for the Reformation of Christ Church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. We are a ministry of union. Hello and welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. My name is Justin Schell and I'm joined here by Paul Spear. Paul serves as the Pastoral Dean at Union School of Theology. This is our second of three conversations with Paul about the pastorate, about the heart, life, and ministry of the pastor. If you missed last week's conversation, please go back and listen to that. You'll get to hear a little bit about who Paul is, what he's up to, and a little bit about his family. But today we're going to be discussing, we've actually titled this podcast, this episode, Pastor, Welcome to Your Church. And what we want to do is dig into how my church shapes my ministry. I'm not pastoring anyone else's church. I'm pastoring my church. What does it look like to allow my ministry to be shaped by the reality of where God has placed me. Paul, thank you so much for joining us again here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. Hello, great to be here again. Now we're talking about ministry today, and uh, maybe we let's start with this question. You know, often in talking about gospel ministry or church leadership, we and teaching on it, we, we have to generalize because churches and leaders are, are all so unique. And I realize there's no, there's no silver bullet to successful church ministry. In, in the, uh, if, if we're saying do X, Y, or Z, and it will grow your church, or it will yeah. cause you to bear fruit, or you know, in, in many ways, that's John 15 is the, the silver bullet for growth. But just taking that all into account, how do you think about training for gospel ministry in light of that? Yes, I mean, I've had the privilege of um, being involved in training in, in, in a variety of different ways for, for many years. The, the church I was at was, was relatively small, but um, praise God, we had some good men sent to us that uh, had the privilege of helping and encouraging. Uh, in my last role, uh, working for a Baptist association, I was, was doing quite a lot in terms of trying to um, the church churches would, would, would come to, to the association as a, as a group of churches mutually supporting and, and we were mm. putting resources together to, to help people. And it's interesting in an, in an association of, of Baptist churches, um, you know, you know yeah, they're, all, they're all slightly different. This is the funny thing about Baptists uh, and others churches, I'm sure. Um, they all had slightly different convictions about how training should go. And I think I learned that actually... It's the Lord who does the training. And, and, I, and I look to the lot of sort of providence in the way people are trained. You look at the, you know, their, their upbringing, where they brought up in a Christian home. That can be a great foundation. Uh, what well, they brought up in a, in, a, in a really good gospel preaching church. You know, some people have a fantastic understanding just because they've been hearing it since they were uh, first in first in church services and in Sunday schools and children's and youth groups, etc. So all of that providence is very important. 
I also think it's worth valuing uh, the things that the Lord has done in people's lives, their education, uh, perhaps other training, other opportunities. Mm. Uh, likewise, it, it's, uh, it's interesting to look at the way people, uh, the Lord prepares his people, his leaders in, in the workplace. Um, you know, sometimes people discuss, oh, you know, should, should young men just crack on straight into theological college and go uh, and then go straight into the ministry or is it better to to work now that's one of those conversations that some um, people get very strong opinions about and I'm not sure it's, <laughs> it's mm. something I want to have too strong an opinion I think I would just make a more general comment that actually there are advantages and disadvantages to both and <clears throat> the individual and the church and colleges and everyone altogether that's involved in training I think it's worth just thinking about well how has the Lord provided thus far and and, and where where do, do people need support and mm. encouragement you know I, I look back at my own um, life if I can use that as, as an example for a minute you know I was I wasn't converted till I was 19 and I, and I was brought up in a fairly rough part of an inner city. It wasn't that compared to a slightly false picture, but it, you certainly had to have your wits about you. That was interesting. It means I'm not scared of cities. You know, that's, mm. you just think, well, hang on a minute, I wasn't converted, but the Lord was <coughs> using that experience even then. Um, again, you know, I ended up going to a good school. I could easily have ended up going to a bad school where I was. You know, that was, that was, that was the Lord's hand. Um, we didn't have a huge amount of money, so, I, you know, I, I worked uh, in <laughs> delivering papers and washing cars, and um, uh, I even worked as a bouncer for a little while in a, in a club before <laughs> I was a Christian. That's one of those sort of silly, if you have a sort of, tell us something silly trivia about yourself, I nearly always use that one. Um, <laughs> but these things, they help you to, you know, they, they help you to see how, how everyday folk live and, and I look back at that and I think well that's great you know I did an economics degree and uh, the, the most important thing that happened to me at university was being converted but 25 years later actually that came in really really useful that particular bit of training mm. um, the church uh, churches I, I went to you know I can see they all those pastors and those fellowships have all contributed to to to, to making me into the person that I, I am in Christ. Yeah. So I, 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 I really sort of look at providence a lot in training. Mm. And then colleges and uh, Bible institutes and, of course, churches really need to think about, well, how can we really hone some of those experiences? How can we get people to really understand the scriptures? How can we get people to, to know themselves, you know, knowing God and knowing oneself? That's a, that's a good Reformation principle um, uh, from Calvin there. That's, 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 that's what wisdom is, to know God and to know and understand yourself. And that has a particular application for, for, for training gospel ministers. So I really want to sort of affirm and value all of these experiences mm. Then yeah. encourage individual men and um, uh, and churches to think. Well, wh where are the gaps? Where does this person need 
encouragement and training. Um, So you might say to someone who has done the sort of Bible college only route, well, you know, go and go and pack shelves in Amazon for a summer <laughs> and uh, even those little experiences can you know they, they can be quite eye-opening I think yeah. Um, so uh, yeah and, and, and I, I also take very seriously the the idea that the Lord trains his men for for his particular ministries that's uh, mm. uh um you know, that's, a, that's a very sort of spurgeonic sort of idea uh, that he would encourage the many men that he trained that, uh, mm. you know, I can't be everywhere, in effect, he's saying, <laughs> and you don't actually want Spurgeon everywhere. You might think, oh, yes, we do. But no, Spurgeon would disagree with that. Uh, he wants the right person for that ministry over there and that's yeah. god's choice and god's planning and god's preparation yeah. and uh, uh, that's just i've always found that a very encouraging way encouraging way to think yeah yeah that's helpful to to kind of look at ministry preparation ministry training being formed for ministry uh really broadly and see all the ways that god is is preparing someone for a particular yeah. ministry, and that's actually a great segue because the ne- the rest of our conversation here uh, today, we're gonna we're gonna try to look at the specifics of a ministry. So yeah. we want to help church leaders think about their situations, their their contexts, and um, again, no sil- silver bullet here. We're, we're trying to put ourselves under the the word of God and. Uh, be led by the Spirit of God, um, but as much as we can, yeah. uh, I'd like us to talk about some of these categories and how they might or might not shape uh, a particular ministry. So let's start with with tenure. Yeah. Um, so what do church leaders need to be thinking about uh, in terms of their their ministry in their context in light of the amount of time? they spent at the particular church they're at yes it's it's interesting i think i i remember hearing several times when i was first training for ministry that there is some i'm not sure i'd call them statistics there's some observational truth that the longer ministries tend to be more fruitful over time mm. um I think I have, again, I, I, don't, I don't like to make hard and fast categories of things that aren't sort of there explicitly in scripture, but I think there is some wisdom in that. Uh, I think a person being willing to commit to a particular area, a particular church, again, going back to training, it might be that, that someone does some sort of shorter ministries in some different churches, particularly if they have the privilege of being a, a, an assistant pastor that's that's not that common in the UK because churches are so small of course but um, there can be a place for shorter ministries and and likewise at the end of um, you know I've known some older brothers who've who've gone and and helped churches perhaps during an interregnum sort of been a moderator for three years or so just especially if churches have got themselves into a bit of trouble and that can be very useful but by and large I think longer ministries are, are good um, they allow a person to to see how 
things develop and change over time. It uh, enables you to develop those uh, strong and, and long uh, relationships. I think it teaches you to go through the ups and downs of, of ministry. In my longest ministry, which was, uh, uh, well, it was 15 years as the, as the, as the sort of full-time paid elder. And then um, while I was working for another Christian organization, it was another five years as, as, as elder. Uh, and, you know, just, just seeing how, you know, there were some seasons of, of great fruitfulness and blessing. And, and that was great. And then there were some seasons where you just wonder, well, well, why aren't people being converted anymore? You know, we, we saw all these baptisms two years ago. And why haven't we had one this year? And I, and I think that does give you a perspective, actually, over time. You know, the Lord's, the Lord's kingdom is a long-term project. We're very impatient uh, so I think there is probably some general wisdom in, in slightly longer ministries, you know, eight years sort of minimum, all the way along to some pastors are there for, for 40 years, aren't they? Aren't they? But, but I would also just say again what I said in the middle of that, which is there's no hard and fast scriptural rules in this. And I don't want to in any way yeah. to make people feel guilty. <coughs> um, you know, some, some people do have a series of shorter ministries. And, and that's, again, the, the, the person that God has made them to be, that suits that very well. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, pastors, are, 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 well, perhaps church planters. Some church planters are really good at getting churches going for seven years, but they know themselves that um, yeah. they then need to find the, the second stage type set of characteristics and giftings um so you know i know some church planters who, who move around fairly rapidly so there's no hard and fast rules and mm. i would want to sort of say you know there's there's freedom in this as well yeah. um because um, you know it's not like you know, when you go to a church you, you are making promises and you are making an agreement and there is that certain sort of covenant of, of, of promise together but it's not marriage you know, I don't think it has the same category as marriage. I think some people get the impression right. it does, but uh, uh, I don't think it is. I don't think at the other end, it's it's not just like any other normal job in that sense that you can, you know, it doesn't suit you anymore. You pursue your career. I think that's that's uh, well, not only the other end of the, that argument. It's a different category altogether. Um, mm. But but nevertheless, I, I want to be cautious about making people think, oh, I must do this or I must stay that long. Yeah, um, because there's freedom. Yeah, yeah. What about church size? How would you say the size of the church, perhaps the size of the church staff as well? Is it you know, um, is those <laughs> going to fluctuate with the size of the church? How does the the church size affect the ministry? what your ministry should or could look like? That there's an extent to which I want to say that, that, that ministry is ministry and that the core characteristics of the leader, the core ministries of, uh, of the pastor, you know, the preacher, teacher, the, the pastor, the evangelist, the, uh, the leader, um, the leader in worship as well as, as sometimes another category um, they, those things those things 
remain the same in whatever size of church. I, I guess I want to be careful here because I was mostly in a, a small church in UK um, terms. So that's, uh, I, I think it was between 35 and 50 members um, and a congregation probably at 50% of that with the sort of people who are coming along on Sundays. <clears throat> so that's, 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 that's relatively uh, small. I was uh, an elder for a short time, a relatively short time in a, a church that was five times that size. Um, it was interesting, you know, which was more difficult, which was, which was busier? I'm not sure I can really answer that question. You know, in a bigger church, you've got mm. more support in terms of, uh, of leadership. But in, you know, again, in my experience in that bigger church, <clears throat> the, in terms of percentage wise, the number of active Christians who got, who were really getting stuck into the ministries of the church was smaller. Um, you've got fewer places to hide in a, in a, in a smaller church. Um, so, you know, in the smaller church, we had a bit of a turnover of people as well. And uh, at one point there was an eldership of five. And then for a short time, there was just me on my own, which I don't really like <coughs> both <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of practicalities or theologically, really. But that was just yeah. the Lord moved people on to perfectly good and reasonable things you know one of them went off to retire and one of them uh near a family and another went went off to be um, a pastor in his own church so you know there was nothing wrong it, was a, it wasn't a bad thing but it was um, that was quite difficult in a small church you, you notice people not not being there um much more in a in a small church <laughs> what does ministry look like well you know it's got to be word-based all the way through you know whether it's few or many, you're commending Christ through His through His Word. I certainly wouldn't want anyone to sort of, or I would want people to be aware of and cautious of the dangers of thinking that bigger church is better, mm. that bigger church is promotion, mm. um, because you know the Lord, the Lord determines the health and size of his churches and um, and uh, the Lord knows what is what is better in, in, a, in a particular area to to accomplish his his purposes um, neither do I like the idea that small is always better you know <laughs> for the yeah. glory of God and um, uh, probably must confess probably because you know a bit too much personal ambition but genuinely with the glory of god you know i want churches to grow i would like more bigger yeah. churches in the uk and again in, in world terms they wouldn't be that big you know i'm talking about churches of 100 and 200 we could do with um, many many dozens more of those in the, the parts of the country that have very little witness um, so yes church size is is it's something to think about, um, mm. but ministry is ministry wherever you are. Yeah, yeah that's a good reminder. I think uh, it, it does seem like at some, at some point a, a church has gotten to a size where maybe I can't know all of my people. And mm. what, what do I do about that? Or 
Um, it's gotten to a size where I, I feel compelled and may not be for biblical reasons, but I feel compelled to put on more of a CEO hat yeah. instead of the pastors um, having the, the, the shepherd's crook um, in my hand. Um, how would you, how would you advise someone who's kind of in that, in that situation? Hmm, that is a good question. I think again, I guess they're two different situations, aren't they? Yeah. So, so feel free to pick one or respond to both. I suppose the CEO thing, if, if if it is just, you know, you're just, you're looking at all the management manuals and running your church like that, um, that can be a bit dangerous, you know, under common grace, you know, praise God for management manuals. We didn't want to do things. We do want to do things well. Um, I suppose some of the checks and balances you would want to put in place would be making sure that you are still regularly meeting with church members um, and outsiders and you know, if you're going to be the CEO, you want to be the sort of CEO that gets down on the factory floor. If you want to push the push the analogy like that, um, there's lots of reasons to to think about that. Uh, you know, just being really good at managing people and and delegating uh, and working as a team with with, with elders and uh, both paid and unpaid working as a, a team with your, your deacons and you know if necessary you know some bigger churches it's very helpful to have a full-time administrator just to deal with all the all the necessary things that um, go with running a, a charity in the in, in the UK setting that's that's very important but you know when, when you start thinking of yourself as being the man at the top of the triangle, um, when you start insisting that your salary must be significantly more than anybody else's, I, I start thinking, hang on, this is getting a bit, this is getting a bit dangerous. Um, make sure you talk to some. You know, again, it's back to the you know have good friends, have good elders, keep talking to people. And, uh, and and remember to whatever your church does in terms of getting out there amongst the people sort of ministry, whether it's very much an encouragement to be a personal evangelist. Well, you've got to model that. Or if it's running children's work and soup kitchens, at least go along and, and join in sometimes, you know, make sure that you are deliberately and intentionally keeping yourself sort of grounded in, in the nitty gritty of of ministry yeah we don't have that many churches of that sort of size in the uk there, there are some um and, and and that's not but that's certainly not in my experience um right i think you almost get it's almost more dangerous <clears throat> not so much to have the sort of worldly ceo pattern it's more the the, the sort of the pastor as the de facto priest you know, everything must run through the pastor. It's not a pastoral visit unless the pastor does it. Um, and uh, and that, I think that, that might be a kind of slightly older cultural thing, but it's still definitely around. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas a good pastor is, is one who, you know, 
preachers and teachers to encourage the church to to minister so that each so that the church can thrive so as each uh, you know as each person plays their part right uh, right it, it, you know that, that, that's uh, that's that again that's a Biblical principle of what leadership should be. Right. Yeah, at some point, uh, Ephesians four, we, we regardless of church size, still sets the direction for her leaders to equip the body for works of service. And well, let's let's do one more of these. Uh, let's think about location. Yep. Uh, what if my church is in the city center, or what if we're in uh, more rural setting or something in between. How does my church location inform my ministry? That gets us into you know where, where pastoral and practical ministry uh, as a subject can 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 help us in this because uh, when you think of pastoral and pra- uh, uh, ministry, of course the scriptures are absolutely vital. You know there are. are source of authority there are source mm-hmm. of illustration they they inform us and they are what our ministry should be full of um we also will be you know informed by and helped by our um confessional uh, standing our systematic theology if you like our historical theology and that that understanding that informs what we do and that has application everywhere and, and that, but absolutely that that must you know that these things there should be a commonality of, of scriptural truth and you know theological wisdom um, that informs our uh, us wherever we are i think the danger is then thinking oh well as long as you've got those two categories right we're fine Whereas actually there's another place to go. I, I often put it as, as three corners of a triangle. And that's, well, that's the, if you like, common grace, general revelation, or <laughs> providence can even be in that corner as well. Where am I applying the scripture and theology? Um, where am I trying to take the lessons from the Apostle Paul or... Calvin or Spurgeon, <laughs> and in what context am I bringing those same wonderful, glorious truths uh, to, to bear? To, you know, to, to where am I sort of setting the word free? In which context? Uh, and thinking like that, I think, helps us to be very much unified in the sort of things that are really important, but also to acknowledge. Uh, that you apply those in different ways in in different um, contexts. So, in an inner city, an inner city can be extraordinarily uh, complex. Having my experience, as I said, I was brought up in an inner city in Bristol, uh, but I also lived in central London for for several years. Worked in central London for longer than that. London is multi-layered um, uh, cultures, um, multi-layered uh, communities, 
Your community might be which tube line or bus route you're on is in effect. You know, some, some churches, they don't look local, but actually you look at the membership and they sort of, you know, they've got spider's legs around, <laughs> around, around the city. Um, mm. But some places in London are, um, you know, I, I live in this part and I, I never go north of the river. Um, mm. Some places are... Uh, I've had some friends who lived in a place called Kew, famous for Kew Gardens. And Kew Gardens is like a rural village in the west of London. I mean, you could sort of, you could sort of, you could take it up, lift it uh, out of the out of London, and put it in the middle of the countryside, and you mm. barely notice the difference. It's, um, and I think that 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 tells me that that community is important. Identifying how your local community operates is quite useful, uh, tells you the sort of people that are going to be there, tells you the sort of places you're going to be able to meet them, like a sort of simplicity of service and a fairly traditional uh, type of worship and outreach. But you might be thinking, well, in this particular area, <coughs> I'm going to be able to refer to literature in my sermons, whereas in this part of Bermondsey, I'm going to have to use football illustrations. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that sounds trivial, but it's it, that's just an example of how just thinking about the place you're in is part of what your ministry should look like. Now, if you get to the, if, if, if you find yourself where that corner of the triangle is defining your ministry and you're only ever meeting your perceived immediate needs, um, then you're starting to get into dangerous territory mm. um, because <laughs> the scriptures and theology, uh, are, you know, they, they, they do always come first. But mm. keeping those three things in mind, I think, is a really important thing. And all with the, the remembering that the Lord is Lord of, of everything and the Lord is in the centre of that triangle. And, you know, our, our aim is to is to know God better, Father, Son, and uh, spirit, um, that yeah. description of, of, of our faith, which is knowing Christ, knowing God, being in relationship yeah. uh, with him. So I think that's that, that, that uh, I, I really got that from my own experience. But as I say, being part of, a, of an association of churches, where some of which were in central London and some, some of which were, there's some, actually some very small villages um, not that far away from London. You know, strangely, you can feel very much very rural very quickly <coughs> once you once you uh, head out on a train for for an hour. And uh, yes, you have to think these churches all have things in common, but that mm. locality don't ignore it. Well, that's a, a good word for us to wrap up on. Uh, we hope that uh, our listeners are better able, better equipped to think about their own context, their own people, their own church, the, the, the city, the uh, town, the area that they're trying to reach. And uh, we pray uh, here at Reformation Fellowship that uh, you'd be strengthened in that work. Paul, thank you for helping us think through this and uh, looking forward to one more conversation with you next week. Great, thank you, Justin. Thank you for joining us today on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. We would love to stay in touch with you. The best way to do that would be to head over to reffellowship.org. That is R-E-F fellowship.org. 
sign up for our newsletter. We'll be able to keep you updated on upcoming events, upcoming resources, upcoming gatherings, etc. Thank you again for joining us here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. God bless.